Well, you're in your home today, and there's some great advantages to being in your home. Um, first of all, uh, you could be in your pajamas and at church today, so that's a really great thing. Um, also, in your home, you can fill your coffee cup as much as you like. So drink all the coffee you want, help yourself to the refrigerator, make yourself at home today. Matter of fact, it's, it sounds kind of funny to, to call it home church, but it's really what we're doing. We're doing church at home today and possibly next week and possibly for weeks after that. And you know the thing that I was thinking about, um, church at home, it's probably something we ought to be doing more of anyway. We ought to be praying more at home. We ought to be reading God's word more at home, memorizing God's word at home, and teaching Jesus at home. So parents, good job for tuning in today and gathering your family around, your kids around, and just sitting together and worshiping like you just did moments ago with Kayla and the team and surrendering your voice and your worship to the Lord. So I'm so proud of you for doing this church at home today and it's gonna be great. So, um, you know, just the one thing I ask you not to do, don't mute the pastor, because you could do that. You're your own sound person. Well, it's been a great week uh, at, at Bethel, and in spite of all that we're doing um, differently in the community, there's still a lot of great things happening, and I just want to share a couple pictures with you, a couple things that have been going on that's really exciting. We've had volunteers even working on our learning center. Most of you know that building is hopefully um, going to be done by September to put a lot of little kids in there, so we've been sheetrocking, the insulation's in the wall, the electrical's done, plumbing's done, we got the inspection, so we had a bunch of volunteers come and help put these um, walls together, the sheetrock's up, uh, almost completed, so thank you to all those who were a part of that, um, and also then we did a lot of cleaning this week. Uh, we completely went around the, the campuses, both campuses, downtown and Chehalis, and there's been weeding gone on and pressure washing inside. There's been a lot of deep cleaning going on, getting the germs off of the, the pews and door handles and, and all those kinds of things. So thank you to all you who were there and applying fresh beauty bark. It looks great getting rid of the weeds and things like that. Uh, so thank you. Uh, I love our meeting spaces, and I love it when the people of God come out and take good care of that. So it's another thing that we've been able to do at social distancing ourselves uh, and then there's some other great things too. We were cleaning the severe weather shelter. Most of you know it's at the fairgrounds. And we've had this open now for five months. As a matter of fact, there's, it's, it's been open for 75 nights. Almost 1,500 uh, bed nights have been served there. So that's a lot of ministry there. And, and so just Saturday, a uh, great group of people out there um, washing inside and out and the cots and getting this place cleaned up. And we thank you, all of you, for being a part of that. And all of you who served and gave time and, and gave your night's rest to come and serve uh, the homeless folks there. So thank you so much for that. I met a guy, actually this is, I was serving there this last week and I met and ran into a guy, his name is Miguel. I think I have a picture here. And Miguel and I got talking a little bit and Miguel said, I know a lot about Bethel Church. I put the carpet in 20 years ago. I was part of that business that installed the carpet. And it was great to reconnect with a guy. I didn't know him until he came into the shelter. We got to hang together and even pray together. So thanks again for serving, being a part of the shelter ministry, Laura and your team and Lynn and all of you who are part of that leadership team. Thanks for all that you have done. It's pretty phenomenal. 
Um, and then I love what I've, I've been seeing happen parents do. There's been parents who have your kids home and I saw this picture of some of our families and the kids were on the stairs and they were all reading books. It's like way to go parents. Um, getting your kids out of their electronic devices and into books and all those kinds of things. So these are some of the things that I've seen happening this week. One thing that really blessed me as I was over at Nate and Kayla, my daughter and son-in-law's place, and there were three little boys and their mom, their single mom had brought her little boys down to their house, walked down there, and her three little boys and herself, they weeded uh, Nate and Kayla's little flower bed. And I thought that was such a cool moment. So thank you parents for thinking how can we use the time wisely and invest into people's lives. So very, very special stuff. Lots of generous things going on in the community. So just remember our community is, it's measured, uh, we're measured by, our, not just by our beliefs, not by what people hear us say, but we're measured by what we do, what we do. So thank you for serving. Uh, some other folks like uh, Chris Brewer and, and Colin, you guys are gathering together, neighbors helping neighbors, and you're gonna hear more about that on Facebook. I just love when people start to say, what can we do for our community? Another lady who works for our learning center, she and her daughter, her 14-year-old daughter, they're gonna start sewing masks for the hospital. I thought, wow, how cool is that? They have some extra time, and um, so I just love that. Well, thank you for giving, and I'm gonna encourage you. I've got this envelope here, and of course, there's no way I can give you this envelope. Many of you received these envelopes in your mail this week, and I just wanna say thank you for continuing to give, even in a time of uncertainty. This isn't a time to take our marbles and go bury them in the backyard, say I'm gonna hold on to all these, but this is a time where we learn to really trust Jesus. And thank you for all of you who say, even in times of uncertainty, we're gonna, we're gonna give. Uh, so that's a great way to do it, or you can bring your envelope by the church, it's open, just ring the doorbell. But can I suggest the strongest and the best way to give? actually it actually saves money and time is just to go online and go through our giving option there and um, it's so simple to become an online giver giver so i'd suggest you do that if you need uh, help with that Uh, as a matter of fact our pastors will be calling you uh, many of you this week just to check on you and they'll help you if you have questions about that you can call the church office but we thank you for continuing to give to the lord I know it's hard on many of you. Matter of fact, a gentleman talked with me just today and he's an employer and he said he had to lay off uh, several dozens of people. So it's not just hard on those who have lost a job, it's hard on those who have employees to take care of who are letting people go. I wanna pray before we give and I wanna ask God just to sustain you in this time of very uncertainty. So thank you for honoring the Lord. Would you pray with me as we just join Jesus? We come, even in the middle of this day, thanking you, first of all, that you provide everything for us. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. And so, Father, I pray for all of those who have been laid off or are going to be laid off. I also lift up employers who are having those hard conversations. God, that you would sustain the people of faith. Lord, you would pull them through, that you are our provider not our government and not our jobs, not our businesses, our employers, but you are our provider. And I pray, Lord, that as people walk this out in faith, that they will see the hand of God rest upon them in their finances. So Lord, show yourself faithful. In Jesus' good name, I pray.
Amen. Amen. Well, um, the question of the day was, <laughs> Kayla just gave it to you a moment ago, the question of the day was, what have you needed that's been out of stock or hard to find? Anybody answer that question? What have you gone to the store, you looked for, and it was out of stock? For Kayla, it was baby wipes. And so I was the guy, Poppy had to go and be- get some baby wipes, so that was me. It's inter- interesting, I went to Costco and got a whole case of baby wipes, 900. That'll last her, her twins, they go through them pretty quickly, so it'll last her a couple days. But, but uh, what is it that you've been looking for? I was also at Costco and uh, I noticed this sign at Costco. If you've gone in there, they have this list on the outside of all the things they are out of, right? And at the top was, Number one, you can see it, yeah, no toilet paper. Then there's no vinegar, no spam, no canned vegetables, so and so. But just there's their list of out of, it was so interesting, I went into the store and there's my good friend John Barspool and he had won the lottery because they had given him a ticket. He got there early and look at him with this big, big smile. This is our friend John, sure enough, see what he won? Yeah, a whole case of Charmin. So he was a pretty happy guy. But anyway, we had a good chuckle about that, a lot of fun, but that's a great, question for us. What is it that you're out of today? And here's what I want you to know. The world's out of a lot of things, but we're not out of hope. We're not out of hope. And as I think about Easter and I think about what Jesus did, there should be plenty of hope on our shelves as Christians. There should be plenty of hope in our pantry as Christians, as believers. Plenty of hope. Um, And so hope is in desperate supply. And I just want to encourage us as a church This is not our worst nightmare. I believe this could be our greatest moment as a church because people are out of hope and they are looking for hope. So today we're gonna unpack a message. Um, I love just what Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled, John 14, but trust in God. And that's the series we're gonna walk us through the next several weeks actually. What do we do in a, in, a, in a troubled world? Jesus said, don't let your heart become troubled. Trust in God. So untroubled hearts is what this is called. As a matter of fact, talk about just some great things to share um, this last week. Because of your faithful giving, we were able to purchase a tractor. You may have seen it, but we're able to purchase this tractor and we're gonna be sending this down to Honduras to an orphanage. And I just think God gets glory for that. Give a shout out to the Lord for that. This tractor is going down there on a truck. It's been completely paid for through your giving. And here's something else. We were also able to write a check. This is pretty powerful. A check to Guatemala City Women's Center that we're gonna be building. We're gonna be partnering to, to build a women's center right in the heart of a bunch of sex trafficking. We're gonna be pulling those women out and we're gonna be building this women's center along with several other churches. Convoy of Hope is leading the way. We wrote a check this week for $15,000. Now that's awesome. I did not expect us to, to go over the top, but we broke our record, we broke our goal, and you can see it right here. That check is going out this, this week. So I wanna say thank you. Hope, <laughs> hope comes from us, from the people of God and there should be plenty of hope. So I wanna say thank you, thank you so much for that. So hey, today, uh, to get us started, um, 
I'm gonna ask some help. To, I got a helper here, and Maisie Samuelson is gonna come join me. Maisie, it's great to have you today. Come and have a seat with me. And so we're gonna look at a text that we're gonna look at for the next couple weeks. And Maisie um, is gonna help me this morning. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You, you doing good? <laughs> I love it. Um, I, I asked Maisie, uh, by the way, this isn't just Maisie Samuelson, this is Maisie the sheep. Beatrice Samuelson, kind of, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, she played Beatrice. If you remember our kids' musical, and one of those great songs in the Christmas musical was, what was it called? Sheep Stuff. <laughs> sheep Stuff, right? Yeah. I love that song. It was one of my favorite moments. You played a great sheep. Thank you. And so we're going to do, actually, um, Psalms 23, which is really about the Lord being our great shepherd. And I've asked Maisie to come join us today, and I want her to share and just do that reading of Psalms 23, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, because I'm challenging all of you, as a matter of fact, all of the students, all of the kids, over the next couple weeks, we're gonna invite you to memorize, and parents and grandparents, memorize Psalms 23, and then would you take a moment, record it, put it on Facebook or somewhere, some social media where we can see it, and when we see it, Pastor Jeremy has a reward for all of you. He has a McDonald's dessert coupon. That's right. It's off of the kids' menu, and it's off the dessert menu. You know, the pie, the ice cream thing. And so anybody who memorizes it is going to receive one of those coupons. So I'm very excited about that. You like ice cream? I like ice cream. I love ice cream. I mean, who doesn't like ice cream? <laughs> I mean, right. The whole world should, right? Right. We all scream for ice cream. Yes. Even sheep. Like yeah. ice cream. Bah. <laughs> she still got it. You do a great job on that, Maisie. Well, thank you so much. So, Maisie, um, thank you. By the way, before we read this, I was noticing your shirt because, um, would you just, yeah, show us what's on that. Tell us what's on that, Maisie. You so, remember? Uh, I haven't looked at the Death, shirt in a while. Death, burial, and resurrection. <laughs> I'll just, yeah. Death, burial, and resurrection. And, and what's really cool is when Maisie showed up today to do this, um, I was asking her about her shirt, and it was just about two years ago, Maisie. Tell us what happened. So I got baptized two years ago on April 1st. April 1st, two years ago. What a special thing. And we're almost um, to that date again. So congratulations Thank on that. Thank you. You went public with your faith. And I'm thrilled and still excited to see what Jesus is going to do with you, you know, through that. So I just encourage all of you, if you haven't gone public with your faith, and Easter's coming, we're still hoping to be able to baptize people. If not then, soon after that, um, follow Maisie's example and go public with your faith to get baptized. So great job, Maisie. So Maisie, um, read for us or recite for us and then we'll talk about this is psalms 23 if you've got your bible open it up it'll be on the screen but um, this is the esv version and let's think about these words for the next few minutes Maisie. okay the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul he leads me um <laughs> he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sakes even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely the goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love that. That's a powerful piece, isn't it? 
Well, thank you, Maisie, for coming. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great. We need to do this again. Okay. Yeah. Listen, tell your mom thanks for bringing you. Okay. And, and being here, and we hope to do this again soon. Okay. Okay? Thank you. Give her a good hand now, everybody. Good job. Thanks, Maisie. Yeah. Bless you and your family, Kelly and the rest of you. Well, we're going to unpack this um, for a little bit, and so I hope you do have your Bibles. We're not going to get very far. We're probably just going to get through a couple of these uh, verses. Uh, this is a psalm that's, it's, it's not just about peace and tranquility. As a matter of fact, when Taylor preached this about six months ago, he, he mentioned that this, you would think this was written by a hippie. Uh, but Psalms 23 is not written by a hippie. It's not written by a guy eating hummus and eating brownies, chilling out at a calm river. It was actually written by David, King David, and at the time that David wrote this, actually he was being hunted. He was a fugitive. Uh, people were, he had enemies. He was running for his life. And he penned this, the Lord is my shepherd. I will be comforted by him. So I wanna unpack this. What if peace is possible in the middle of chaos? What if peace is possible in the middle of, of troubled worlds and troubled times? Because David had a very um, troubled time, and yet he had an untroubled heart. So Psalms 23, really, it's a blueprint for us today to find peace when our circumstance is very troubling and very uncertainty. It's when hospitals are filling up with infected people, when there's a pandemic that's sweeping the globe and financial markets are crashing and our retirement savings are going away, they're just dwindling. What do we do in those moments? Is it possible to find peace? And the scripture tells us absolutely. And so we're gonna be walking through this psalm, Psalm 23, and I hope that there'll be some pieces here that will really bring to your heart a calm. So let's look at the verse, first verse. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's just stop there. David clearly understood the relationship of a shepherd and his sheep. David was a shepherd. He understood that, that closeness. It's like the relationship of a creator and his creation. No one is better qualified to care for the creation than the creator, the one who made the creation. In other words, we belong to him. And because we belong to him, he's looking out for us. We matter to him and you matter to him. God is concerned about you as a particular person. So just as David, just as David viewed his relationship through his occupational lens, Perhaps some of you, you might view God, this relationship with God through your occupational lens. Let's have fun with this for a moment. So uh, for, if you're a teacher, some of you who are teachers, you might have written this a little bit different. You might have said the Lord is my teacher. In other words, the Lord is the one who instructs me. If you're a, a nurse, you may have written it, the Lord is my caregiver, or the Lord is my Physician, he gives me care. He, 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 he helps to heal me. He takes care of my wounds. If you're a truck driver, you may have written it this way, the Lord is my driver. In other words, he takes hold of the, the steering wheel in my life. He guides me. Uh, if you're an electrician, you may have said it this way, the Lord is my electrician. <laughs> he, he wires me. He 
He gives me power. He brings power to my life. Uh, of course, if you're a barista, uh, you may have said, the Lord, he brings coffee to my soul. You know, I don't know. Uh, the Lord makes me get out of bed in the morning. But David was a shepherd, and so he writes, the Lord is my shepherd. He's referring to Jehovah, the, the great, the Lord God of heaven, who is our shepherd. Jesus is our shepherd. He's the good shepherd and the one who leads us. Matter of fact, the Bible, the Bible says this, we need to be led because Isaiah 53, six, this, we, says we are all like sheep and we've gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity. That means the sin of us all. There are so many ways uh, that we are similar to sheep. I saw this little quick video clip. It's just amazing and it's so ironic how similar we are to what you see on this it's kind of a sheep mob, right? It's just this bunch of sheep. Yeah, look at this. Now keep watching. It just reminds me of people who are trying to get into Costco. It's amazing. Watch, keep watching. We're so like this. It's kind of, yeah, here we go. Like, if we could just back up a minute, if we could just give each other a little space, be a little courteous, but here we are, we get jammed, we're gonna get stuck right here, can't even get through a simple doorway because we don't know how to watch and wait, right? Uh, we're just, we're skittish, we're stubborn, we're kind of stupid. No wonder the Bible says we are like sheep. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep it's a powerful truth that a price was paid for the sheep. We've been bought with a price. The, the good shepherd is within his rights to lay claim on us because he paid for you and he paid for me. Christ chose us and he bought us and he calls us by name. He makes us his very own and he delights caring for us. Philip Keller, I'm gonna share some things from him. He's a shepherd who wrote a book. And he wrote this great book called The Lord is My Shepherd. And he talks about a time when he bought his first 30 ewes, these 30 little ewes, if you will. He was just a new shepherd, and he was one day admiring them with his neighbor, who was also a shepherd and a sheep herder. And he was admiring his, his purchase and looking at these beautiful ewes and, and uh, how well-bred they were, and they were his. And then his neighbor turned to him and handed him a sharp knife and said, well, Philip, they're yours. Now you have to put your mark on them. And Philip knew exactly what he meant by that. Each of his sheep would have to have its ear cut, put on a wooden block and have a deep cut in its ear to make a mark on those sheep. And from that point forward, they would be known as his sheep. It reminds me of, of what happened in really the Old Testament. There's an old parallel of this where a servant who was owned by a master and after many years, perhaps, if that servant, that slave would be free to go, but sometimes they would choose to say, no, I'm gonna continue to serve my master. I've served you all these years, and I'm gonna continue to serve you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that voluntarily to serve you. That master would do something so interesting. He would take that slave or that servant, and they would take him to a doorpost where he would take an owl, and he would hammer that owl through the earlobe of that slave to say, I'm leaving my mark on you. 
And it was a way of everyone knowing that that slave, that servant, belonged to that particular master. And in the same way, we belong to the good shepherd who has purchased us. And we should bear the mark, the cross, a a mark of surrender, a mark of submission to Jesus. Because he paid for you. And he paid a price for me. And we are his. Philip's sheep, um, they were well fed and well taken care of, but Philip talks about one field next to his where a tenant in the next field should never have been allowed to have sheep. Uh, His sheep were well taken care of, but this sheep next door, they were just, oh, they were always dirty and they were thin. They hadn't been fed well and they hadn't been received good uh, watering and and they were just looking like they were so downtrodden and and they had parasites and riddled with, with these diseases. And he often thought to himself, oh, if only those sheep could understand and be in a better sheep pen with a better shepherd. Now here's the question I've always asked myself, why wouldn't more sheep wanna be free from the awful sheep pen they're in and have the care of a good shepherd? Because I see so many sheep, don't you? You see so many people who are wandering the streets almost aimlessly. It's just like they're not even well taken care of and I just wonder, I, I just, my heart breaks to think, they could give their life to the good shepherd and he would take good care of them. But they would rather live in a way that's just kind of dirty and disgusting and filled with diseased and malnourished. Uh, n- uh, and, and I just, I, I pray, Lord, would you somehow uh, cause these people to surrender their life and come and live with you? Well, because of the Good Shepherd, millions of people for you know, the last 20 centuries have come into the life of decency and been fulfilled because they've lived their lives under the care of the Good Shepherd. Sheep really don't take good care of themselves, and it's really a gift to have the shepherd, the Good Shepherd who delights in caring for us. So the Lord is my shepherd. The next line says, and I shall not want. I shall not want, David had been hiding from his enemy Saul who was hunting him down. David had nothing, he had no home, no wealth, no retirement, only deep personal poverty and hardship, but David wrote, I shall not want. You know, there's no need to worry because David, he depended upon the shepherd. Even though he had nothing, he said, I shall not want. You know, our culture is constantly telling us that we need more things to be important, right? We, we, need, uh, we need the shinier one, the bigger one, the faster one, the, the prettier one, the cooler one, right? Go out and buy it, and if you can't buy it, borrow and buy it. Culture's always doing that. By contrast, the sheep under the shepherd's management shall not be in want. And that we shouldn't be like the world saying, I need that to satisfy me. I need that to be somebody important. So our sufficiency is not dependent on what others have. We should never try to compare ourselves with what other people have. God will give you everything you need to be you. Don't try to be like anybody else. You are exactly how God intended for you to be. 
So live with that. As a matter of fact, live and be determined to have a pre-commitment to contentment. Contentment is the key. Contentment begins inside of us. Contentment is not about what we have or don't have. We have an owner who laid down his very life for his sheep. There's a story, her name is Perpetua. Perpetua lived in the second century, and in the second century, the Roman emperor, he forbade conversion to Christianity, and he carried it out basically through imprisonment and even death. Perpetua was a young woman who gave her life to Jesus, but because she gave her life to Jesus, she was thrown in prison. She was a nursing mother at the time, so she had a baby, and she was put in this jail in Africa, and despite pressure from her father, her father even said, oh, Perpetua, deny your faith. Give in and so you can get out of jail. And Perpetua wouldn't deny her faith. She lived in that jail cell. The jailer was able to bring her her, her baby, and there in that baby, she, in, that, in that jail, she nursed her baby, and Perpetua said these words, and here's a quote. She said, my prison became, as it were, a palace for me, and I was content to stay there. In other words, she said, I've got everything I need. Even in this prison, I've got everything I need. She had learned the contentment piece. She had learned that godliness is contentment. You know, there can be so many prisons in life. And some of you feel like you're in prison. You've been home with your kids for a week, and you feel like, I'm in this place of, wow, I'm, I'm quarantined here and I can't go anywhere. But prisons can also be our bodies. It can be cancer. Prisons can be financially broke. That can be your prison. You can be physically challenged or disabled, and that can be a prison, or mentally challenged. There's many kinds of prisons. But we have a shepherd who is watching over us who will give you exactly what you need. You just need to learn to be content. I love what Paul says. Paul says in Philippians 4, 11, he says this. He says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I have learned it. It's not something that comes naturally. We learn this, even in times like we're in right now. He goes on, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to, abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned, there's that word again, I've learned the secret. It's a secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then here's the scripture we've heard many, many times, and and this is the context of it. And then he goes on, for I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's a great one to memorize. Well, let me keep going. We need to jump forward. Psalms 121, I love this. Matter of fact, it says, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He who watches over you will not slumber. David understood the good shepherd doesn't sleep on the job. He's watching us. He will take good care of us as well. So David wrote, here's the next verse. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Think about that. I hope that you're finding still waters today. Here's, there's four, four things that sheep won't lie down unless four requirements are met. You know what they are? Here they are, real quickly. Four things sheep will not lay down. They will not rest. 
until these things are met. Number one, they have to be free from fear. Free from fear. They, number two, they have to be free from conflict, friction or conflict. The third one is they have to be free from torment of flies or parasites. And then last one, the fourth one, they must be free from hunger or the fear of going hungry. So they have to have freedom from fear, freedom from tension, uh, aggravations, and hunger. So a flock of, of, of restless or a herd of, of restless, discontented, um, agitated sheep, will, will, they will not lie down unless those things are met. It's the same is true for people. People who are, are restless, discontent, agitated, disturbed, fearful, will also have a hard time resting and lying down. How about you? I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, have you lost sleep this week? And if so, lean into this, that Jesus comes to give us rest. Uh, amazing story in Turkey, this I, I think I shared it before, but there was a Turkish shepherd who watched in horror as hundreds of their sheep followed each other over a cliff. More than 400 sheep, they were following each other. Literally, went over a 15, um, I think it was 15 meter fall, so that's quite a distance. And they fell, the first 400 fell to their death. The next 1,100, they fell too, but they didn't die because they landed on the pile of sheep. Amazing story. Isn't that crazy though? that they begin to follow one another. And I'm just wondering, who is it that you're following today? And you're walking over a cliff, and who is it you're following? Maybe it's time to to take notice on who you're following. And I hope that you're following the great shepherd. They say that there's only one way to calm a herd of sheep. You know what that is? It's the voice of a shepherd. It's that voice, that familiar voice of the shepherd that calms the herd of the sheep. The voice they hear every day and every night and in, in the between times, that familiar voice. It's the, it's the nearness of the shepherd himself who, who provides release from our anxieties and gives us calm in uncertain times. You know, this is why we just don't sing and it's why it's important. As a matter of fact, we're gonna sing a couple more songs before we're done. And I hope, I hope that you're not just singing. I hope that you'll invite the presence of the great shepherd, the good shepherd, into your family, into your home, because it's in those moments that you get to hear the voice of the good shepherd in times of uncertainty, and his presence will give you comfort. David knew a lot of this. Psalms 4, 7, he he said this. He said, let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their, the grain and new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Another great scripture, if I can back up to, to Paul who said this to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. That idea of self-control or sound mind talks about a mind at ease, a mind not perturbed or obsessed with fear. The good shepherd makes me lie down in green pastures and still waters. Our time is almost up, but I want to just read you a story, uh, give you a, a couple thoughts here. But, but uh, 
I'm going to read a story, and then we're going to worship. Uh, this story's in the book. Uh, Philip Keller shares it, and I just want to maybe read it. Uh, it's, it's a time to think about what are we teaching your kids, your children, when you walk through times of uncertainty. And then we're, we're going to sing and worship a little bit more, and we'll close. Let me read this to you. These are the small moments in parenthood that make a big impression on us. For me, one of the big ones was the first time I took our oldest daughter in for immunizations by myself holding this tiny pink bundle in my arm, knowing there was going to be shots. I'm not sure how many. It could have only been two, but it felt like a million to me. Do you remember that, parents, taking your kids in for the shot? The kind nurse, sensing my nervousness, smiled and said, she's looking at you for how to react to this. If you're calm, she will be calm. So despite the fact that I felt queasy and tearful inside, I put, all my, I put on my best smile and I cooed at her. It was over quickly and while she did give a little wail, it seemed awfully short-lived. Good job, mama. The nurse beamed at me as if I had been the one to endure the needles and not my baby girl. It is a moment in time that has followed me throughout parenthood. Many times that nurse's words comes back to me and I am reminded that in times of chaos and uncertainty, I am my kid's compass, pointing them in the direction of their own reaction. The kids have come home with more questions than I have answers for, like, Will we get sick? Will I still get to go to school? Will we have to stay home a long time? Will I still get to have my birthday party? While I try to soften the world for my kids, I believe in telling them the truth, promising that everything will be okay. Sometimes it just seems like a lie. It leaves me in a world of maybes, and we'll try our best. A place where I I guess a lot of people feel incredibly uncomfortable. But I have decided to heed those words from that wise nurse those years ago. I'm reminding myself that in this storm, I am my kid's lighthouse. Reminding them that even though they can't see the way, there still is a way. And I'm choosing to tell my kids this isolation is a journey, it's an adventure. I'm just going to ask you today, what are you telling your kids? What do they see on your face? Do they see panic? Do they see fear? Or do they see faith? And do they see hope? Isaiah 26.3 says this, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Would you pray with me? And then we're going to worship in just a moment. Jesus, thank you that you tell us you are the good shepherd. Thank you that we can trust you in times of uncertainty. When we get the pink slip or the phone call, we've been laid off, we don't know when we're going back to work, or when we have the job that nobody wants of having to lay somebody off of work, let somebody go, we ultimately have to lean into the everlasting arms, the shepherd who knows how to care for the sheep and that you are the one who provides. I shall not be in want. 
and learn to be content. Even in troubled times, we can have an untroubled heart. Thank you, Lord. Would you be with us as we walk through this season? Grow our faith. Help the church not to get dimmer, but to get brighter in moments like this as the world sobers up and are ready for bigger, deeper, more important conversations. When we are thinking less about the mariners and more about life, we ask this in your good name, the good shepherd, we pray. Amen. Amen. The song that we're about to sing is taken from a true story. It's a powerful, powerful song. Horatio Spafford was a successful lawyer, had a business in Chicago. Uh, he had f- five beautiful children, but they came upon hardship. His son was taken at a young age through, I think he got sick with pneumonia. He had four girls and his wife, but they were strong believers. But then the Chicago fire came and took part of their business. They went through all kinds of hardships, but their faith was still strong. Things even got worse. They'd planned a trip to France. Horatio decided to stay home. This is, of course, in 1871. His wife decided, I'll go ahead, I'll go with the girls. They boarded a ship to France. And halfway across the Atlantic, that ship collided with another ocean liner, and it sank. Anna had just a few moments left with her girls just to pray with them before they drowned in the waters of the Atlantic Ocean. She survived. She was picked up by a sailor in a small little boat and rescued and taken over there. But imagine being the dad, Horatio, receiving this telegram. I survived, but all four of our daughters have drowned. Horatio got on the next boat Four days later, he was journeying on that boat over to France to be with his wife, who had just lost all their children. And about the spot where that ship had gone down, Horatio pulled out his Bible, pulled out a piece of paper, and he began to pen the words, It is well with my soul. The words that we're going to sing here, written by a man who walked through very uncertain and difficult times, And yet he put his trust and his absolute confidence in a God who knew how to take care of him and he could trust the good shepherd. So let's worship. As you see these words written, you know the author. I want them, them to inspire your heart and open up your heart to the good shepherd.